You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. In 1995, New Jersey native and West Coast transplant Craig Newmark had an idea. He started an email distribution list to keep a few of his friends abreast of local events. Word got around, and pretty soon Craig was adding new members and new information for his growing group of subscribers. When the list got to be too unwieldy, he pivoted into something new. A website where people could post all kinds of things, such as classified ads, items for sale, and where their band would be performing next. He called it Craigslist, and over the next 27 years, it became something of a time capsule, preserving a piece of the internet as it once was. Its sparse black and white and blue design has barely changed, as have the kinds of items published to its thousands of pages. One of the most popular categories is missed connections, where people post cryptic messages to others they might have crossed paths with during their day. The glance across a crowded subway car, or the accidental traffic jam in the supermarket aisle, Missed Connections is where lovelorn hopefuls pray that special someone is reading. But 100 years ago, before the first Missed Connection was ever posted, there was the Bridegroom's Oak. Located in the Dadauer Forst in Schleswig-Holstein, Germany, the Bridegroom's Oak is an oak tree over 500 years old. Its trunk is 16 feet around, and it rises to a soaring 82 feet tall. It was a gift from the son of a Celtic chieftain who had been tied to a different tree in the forest, a young girl came along and freed him, and the chieftain planted the oak to thank her for her kindness. At least, that's the story that people tell. In the past, young women were encouraged to circle the tree several times under the light of a full moon. As they walked around it, they were instructed to think about the suitor they loved most, without saying a word. If they performed the ritual correctly, they would be married within a year. The tree earned its name during the late 1800s when the daughter of a forester and a chocolate maker's son from Leipzig fell in love. The girl's father didn't want her marrying the boy, and so he forbade them from tying the knot. So the lovers decided to carry on their relationship behind his back. They wrote each other letters, which they deposited in a giant hole in the middle of an oak tree near their house. Soon enough, her father relented and gave his blessing. The two were married under that same tree in June of 1891. As the story of their romance spread beyond the forest, others started coming to the tree to leave their own letters, hoping to find true love. They called it the Brautagumsiecke, or Bridegroom's Oak, and those who availed themselves of its services made sure to leave a return address so that whomever read the letters knew how to get in touch with them. A stepladder was even installed at the base of the tree in 1927 to allow visitors easier access to the hole. The post office even began honoring the Bridegroom Oak as an official letterbox, 
so that lovesick people from all over the world could write to the tree and wait for their one true love to write them back. Today, there is a small wooden fence that forms a perimeter around the oak, save for one opening to allow visitors access to the stepladder. Legend has it that over 100 couples got married after depositing letters in that tree. And crazily enough, one of those marriages happened to involve the very mailman who had spent 20 years of his career delivering other people's letters to the tree. In the 1990s, the postman was invited to appear on a television program, and a woman who had watched him decided to write a letter to him. She had sent it to the tree, knowing that he would be the one to deliver it. The two eventually met and remain married to this day. But the bridegroom's oak didn't just bring people together. It, too, had its own love story, and it was one for the ages. In 2009, the tree was wedded to the Himmelgeist chestnut in Dusseldorf, as it also had its own postal address. Sadly, the chestnut was not long for this world. It was cut down in 2015 due to an incurable fungus. The bridegroom's oak stands today as a widower, its only purpose to bring others together, unable to turn over a new leaf. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. When she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier, and these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head-on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 
314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. She almost looks like a little girl playing dress-up with her mother's clothing. In a hat that author Henry James called ill-fitting, Valerie, Lady Mew, intensely gazes at the viewer with her slender profile and a seemingly bland backdrop. This might just have been a portrait of any other upper-class British lady, but behind the lace was one of the most scandalous women of the Victorian era. If you've been listening since the early days, the name Mew might sound familiar to you. But in case you don't want to comb through more than 400 episodes to find number 30, I'll refresh your memory. On Monday, October 17th of 1814, a vat inside the Horseshoe Brewery of London malfunctioned. The 22-foot-high tank was held together with iron rings and was meant to store 3,500 barrels of brown porter ale for fermentation. On that day in 1814, though, one of the rings around the tank snapped. The whole thing burst, creating a 15-foot-high wave of beer that destroyed several buildings and killed nine people. The Horseshoe Brewery was owned by the Mew family and was one of the largest porter brewers in London. The 1814 disaster barely put a dent in their profits, too. The courts had ruled it an act of God, after all. Soon, Henry Mew was created a baronet, a hereditary title awarded to commoners. But this story isn't about that event. No, that's just the little scene setting for the person who is yet to come. The Mew family might have faded into healthy obscurity after this tragedy, if not for the wife of the third baronet, Valerie, Lady Mew, who seemed to be the living embodiment of the phrase, may you live in interesting times. If the times weren't interesting enough for her, she certainly had a way of livening things up. Valerie Susan Langdon seemed to come from nothing, in that nothing seems to be known about her origins. She later admitted that she'd been an actress and even learned how to play the banjo, two pursuits that British aristocrats didn't greet with admiration. Acting was seen as one of the lowest forms of employment for women back then, and was often synonymous with sex work in high society. No one knows exactly how she met Sir Henry Mew. She was rumored to have been working as a performer and barmaid at the Casino de Venice in Holborn when she caught his eye. The two married in secret in 1878, and to say the marriage caused a scandal is an understatement. We can only imagine the reaction the rest of the Mew family had to their newest member behind closed doors. But outside the house, they presented a unified front in opposition to Valerie. But she didn't care. Now, possessing money and a modicum of influence, Valerie made a splash. In 1883, Sir Henry's father passed away, and the newlyweds inherited the family seat, a mansion called St. Theobald's in Herefordshire. Valerie began transforming the palatial residence to her liking immediately. She made it into a playground for the wealthy and powerful of London. She threw lavish parties and entertained her guests with her in-house roller skating rink, their swimming pool, and a museum of Egyptian antiquities. The crowning glory of the 400-ton structure was Sir Christopher Wren's Temple Bar, which Valerie paid to have deconstructed, moved from London, and then reconstructed as their new entrance gate. The astonishing house and parties attracted anyone who was everyone, including the Prince of Wales. Valerie could even be seen riding around town in a high phaeton, the sports car equivalent of a carriage, but hers was drawn by a matched pair of zebras. No one could ignore her, no matter how much they wanted to. There's no record of whether Sir Henry and his unconventional bride loved each other, 
But when he died in January of 1900, Valerie was the only person named in his will. She had become one of the wealthiest women in Britain. After that, Valerie threw herself into widowhood. She owned a couple of racehorses, although they didn't win often. And she was a frequent visitor to a philosophical club called the Theosophical Society and could be seen at everything from art openings to prize fights in a variety of disguises. But here's the thing. Although they drank her booze and ate her food, no one seemed to want much from Valerie. She tried to leave her spectacular collection of antiquities to the British Museum, but the snobs there didn't want them, so they were sold after her death. And during the Second Boer War, when Valerie read about early British reverses, she bought and paid for six naval 12-pounder long guns that could be moved on special carriages. Initially, the war office refused, so they were sent straight to South Africa. But the most enduring of Valerie's flights of fancy was to commission three paintings by the scandalous artist James Whistler. Whistler was bankrupt when he took the contract for the three portraits, which were almost never finished. Apparently, Valerie and Whistler rubbed each other the wrong way, so Whistler destroyed the final painting, Portrait of Lady Mew in Furs, and they never spoke again. One of the previous portraits, though, Harmony in Pink and Gray, alludes to Valerie's past, but it also seems to capture her renegade spirit. In it, she gazes out towards the audience, wearing a costume-like dress while standing on stage, defiant to the last. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.